Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. Hope you're doing well. Merry Christmas to you. Glad that you're do, doing well. Glad that you're here today. Um, if you could just be seated, that'd be great this morning. Ah, uh, that was for Cynthia. I'm so sorry, Cynthia. Hey, I want to ask you, let me tell you how much I will pay for that. Hey, I want to, uh, I want to ask you, um, just before we dive into today's message, how many of you were here for evening in December? Would you raise your hand this morning? That's awesome. That is great. That is great. Absolutely. It was a uh, fun night. Um, we, uh, we also had a great rapping party yesterday. No, we weren't rapping like as in music rapping. We were rapping presents for people in our community. And we have so much stuff. I want to encourage you in between services, um, if you did bring presents that you need wrapped, we have so much left over. We've got the community center is wide open. We've got hot chocolate going over there. Justin's over there. We've got some volunteers that'll be over there. If you guys want to go get your presents, bring them back. Man, um, you know, it's wide open. We're going to be, uh, that's going to be open pretty much all throughout the week, nine to four, Monday through Thursday this week for you guys to come in. We got so much stuff. I'm definitely taking advantage of it. So I want to encourage you to do the same. It has been a really cool thing. I wanted to say this. Um, our team for evening in December works hard. They work for months preparing for that event. And every year, my prayer is, is that you all, that we as a church would be serious about inviting our friends, some people who may never darken uh, the door of a church, that they would actually come to church for something like evening in December. And um, I wanna thank you all for inviting your friends. It was really cool. Um, man, the team does such a great job. It's excellent, it's done so well. Cynthia and her team do an amazing job with all of that. Kelly, um, uh, Jessica, it's amazing. But um, I was so excited that you, you all invited your friends. And uh, so I wanna say thank you as your pastor. Way to go. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, and I wanna let you know that we've had at least eight people over these past uh, about four weeks who have indicated that they've accepted Jesus Christ as their savior. And that's why we do what we do, church. And so I'm so excited about that. So I wanted to tell you about that, wanted to let you know, keep up the good work, keep up what you're doing. And I'm just very excited about what God is doing in terms of bringing people to him in our community. I got something special for you later that I can't wait to tell you about. We're in this series that we have entitled uh, to me from me, and we're trying to reverse the idea that Christmas really ends up kind of being all about us. How can we do that? What did God do in the Christmas story, in the narrative of bringing Jesus into this world to save mankind from their sins? What did he do and, and what did the people that he used, what did they do to not make redemption about themselves? How did they give something lavishly to the world in the story of Jesus coming to this world that really demonstrated what it means to be selfless and lavish in terms of generously giving. And today we come to this such an interesting man. In fact, I was looking back, I don't know that I've ever preached on this man we're gonna be talking about today. Um, so far we've talked about Ruth and how in a moment of time she gave lavishly the gift of kindness. We talked about Joseph of Nazareth and how he lavishly gave the gift of humility. We, and today we come to this man who is part of the family of Jesus, as you're going to see, and, and his name is John the Baptist. And he was such an interesting character. He, he's a little bit like um, the, the headline of a news story. You know, the news stories that we see in the paper throughout the years will announce, they'll announce news after it's happened. 
We, we tend to kind of focus on maybe the, the bad news, the things that are tragic or upsetting. But I want you to hear a couple good announcements throughout the years from headlines in the news. Here's one, slaves proclaimed free. Slaves pro pro proclaimed free, the Emancipation Proclamation. The world war is over. World war is over, the ending of World War II. Man walks on the moon. Man walks on the moon. Man, I wish that I had been there for that one. Imagine what it would be like, though, if the newspapers, if the press could announce news before it happened. Imagine if they could announce news, if they could put a headline out there, now not on paper as much as they do on, on the social media outlets and, and the media outlets. Imagine what they could do if they could announce news before it happened and be accurate about it. Not like, you know, um, Dewey Beats Truman, the Chicago Tribune did that one. Um, but news that was accurate and that was beneficial and that was good for humanity. Imagine if they could do that. Sometimes news is announced on social media. Sometimes it's announced by, by someone or a group of people coming into your home. I, I have a driver in my house now, so I get news all the time. She's driving by herself, and I get news all the time. Sometimes news is announced to the world by one person. I've talked a lot about one of my favorite stories. Theodipides announced that the Athenian army had had victory in Marathon. He announced it to the world. Paul, uh, I almost said Paul. I almost said Paul. Uh, Paul. I almost said Paul Harvey. Paul Revere announced to Boston the news, the looming news that the British were coming. They were entering Concord and Lexington, and that we needed to be aware. And in the story of Christmas, in the story of God choosing to redeem the world, we have this figure. We have this character by the name of John the Baptist, and he is one man who makes the announcement of future good news to the world. And I think that we have a lot to learn from John the Baptist of how we can be people who lavishly give something of ourselves. But I want you to learn a little bit about him. If you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1 or Luke chapter 3, we're going to be in both of those places, but we're going to be all over the place today. Let's talk about John the Baptist and who he was. John the Baptist was Jesus' older cousin. Their mothers were sisters. He took the vow of the Nazarite, not a Nazarene, but the Nazarite, which meant that he lived an odd life. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. He lived in the desert. He ate locusts. He, he probably had long hair, kind of, you know, kind of like maybe dreadlock kind of thing with a big bushy beard. Someone the other day was like, are you trying to give us a demonstration of that, Todd? And I'm like, no, I'm just having a lot of fun, and my family hates it, but that's okay. Anyway, he ate locusts. I'm not eating locusts, I'll tell you that much right now. He ate locusts. He didn't cut his hair. He grew a long beard. He wore wool jackets. But I want you to hear that he was the first prophet in over 400 years. The story of the Old Testament ends with Malachi. And at that point in time, there's 400 years of silence. And it's interesting because John the Baptist is mentioned in the Gospels. In fact, he's mentioned in a lot of places in the Gospels, but he's really an Old Testament prophet because the New Testament begins with the death and resurrection of Jesus. And John the Baptist was the one who came into the world proclaiming that Jesus would come to redeem the world. And he is the last, essentially, of the Old Testament prophets. 
He was the bridge between the Old and the New Testament. He prepared the way for Jesus. He baptized many people, Jesus including, in the Jordan River. And today we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 3, but we're going to be in several different passages to take a look at the life of this amazing man. Now, in Luke chapter 1, from, from verses 1 through 66, now we're not going to read all of them, but I'm going, to, I'm going to kind of give you a brief summary. We have the story of the um, angel visiting Zechariah, who was a priest, who was the husband of Elizabeth, who was the, this was the mother and the father of John the Baptist. And this angel visits him and tells him, the news that Elizabeth, who was quite a bit older, a bit, a bit of a picture of Sarah, was going to have a child and that he would be this forerunner, this one who would come and do great things. And, and in fact, to, to kind of seal the deal that this was a real deal, the angel caused Zachariah to not be able to um, communicate this. And so we find that, that Elizabeth um, is pregnant with John the Baptist. And I want you to take a look at Luke chapter 1, verse 41, because I think this is a picture of what John the Baptist was going to do. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, this is John the Baptist, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I think it's so interesting that Jesus' cousin here, John the Baptist, even as, as an unborn child, was in his own way, by the power of God's Holy Spirit, announcing Jesus' birth. That when she came close to Mary, when Elizabeth came close to Mary, that the baby leaped in her womb. It was a bit of a picture and a kind of a foretelling of, of what the John the Baptist would be doing, that he would be passionate about proclaiming and preparing the way for Jesus to do his work. In fact, that's what he did. He preached and he proclaimed that Jesus was coming. Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 22 describe how John the Baptist lived. It describes this this vow of the Nazarite that he took in order to be someone who was worthy to announce and proclaim that Jesus was coming to save the world, that God would do it this way. Now, I want you to get the picture. This is prior to first century, right? It's right about at, at the beginning of the first century. And we're talking about a day and an age and a culture and a time where we have no understanding of how people lived. The pictures that we see in the movies are fairly accurate. They pretty much wore sandals everywhere they went. They probably didn't have the same um, you know, things that we have today. Um, they, they, they wore the, the heavy robes and the tunics and that sort of thing. And their life was completely different. Now, in the context of that, I want you to think about the fact that the way that the Bible describes John the Baptist, most commentators and theologians would just summarize it by saying he was weird. In that context, in that context, John the Baptist was weird. I want you to think about that for a moment. Like he was extremely eccentric. I, I kind of like might describe him as maybe part Grizzly Adams. Like some of you, maybe only a few of you will get that reference. Maybe part Phil Robertson from Duck Dynasty. 
few more of you will get that one. Maybe a little bit of Kanye West, not the old one, but the new one. But yeah, maybe a little bit of the old one, right? And part Billy Graham. Like he was such a strange mix of people. But I want you to see what he did in terms of the redemption story of all of creation, what God was doing in all of creation. Luke 3, verse 3 says this. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, and I want you to say this next word with me, proclaiming. He went into the region around the Jordan, say it again, proclaiming. You guys aren't saying proclaiming in a very proclaiming way, right? So he went into the Jordan and all the region, proclaiming. There we go. All right, that was much better. All right, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. This was not the polished Western Christian guy or lady that we think of today at all. This was someone who, if he showed up at the door of this church, we might take a step back. I don't know about this guy. I'm not really sure about him. I think he might need a home, and he might need a shower, and we might need to help him, but I think I want to keep my distance from him. This was not the polished like version of what a follower of Jesus looks like in today's day and age. John the Baptist was raw. He was real, authentic. And add to all of that, he was proclaiming this message of baptism, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And if we fast forward down to verse 16 of Luke chapter 3, John answered all these people that were around him. His following began to grow. He says, I baptize you. They were coming to be baptized. I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you, John the Baptist said, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And of course, who was he talking about? He was talking about Jesus. He was talking about the coming Messiah. Same chapter, verses, just a few verses later, 21 through 22. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized, we're going to take a look at that in a moment, and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him, on Jesus in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. See, God used John the Baptist. God used John the Baptist to begin, to kick off, to anoint the ministry of God's son, the Savior. He used this man, this man who was so odd, who most would have said is very strange and very weird and probably want to stay away from that guy. He used that man to baptize his son. The Bible goes on, well, actually even before this, um, to, to describe John the Baptist in, in a lot of different ways. 
Um, he was prophesied about. It's kind of interesting that the last Old Testament prophet was prophesied about by the previous ones. Isaiah 40, verse 3 says, A voice, calls him a voice, a voice cries, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Malachi, Malachi the prophet, refers to John the Baptist as a messenger. Malachi 3 1. Behold, I send my messenger. And he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Later, that was at the beginning of Malachi, at the end of Malachi, the last few verses of Malachi, Malachi 4, 5, and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. He was referred to as Elijah. He was kind of in the vein of Elijah and Elisha, the prophets who lived very much the same way as John the Baptist. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction. That's how Malachi ends. I had one buddy say to me, no wonder there was 400 years of silence after that. I was like, yeah, that's a pretty good point. He's referred to by people as the bridge, the root, the herald. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. The announcer, and my favorite, is the forerunner. The forerunner. I love that. The forerunner. The forerunner is a person who goes or is sent in advance to announce the coming of someone or something that follows. Harold Harbinger. This is someone who says, someone is coming. And that someone for John the Baptist was Jesus. His job was to announce that good news was coming. And I want to take a look at Matthew chapter 3 for a moment. And I'm going to skip around a little bit in this, but verses 1 through 17 give an interesting picture of John the Baptist. In those days, John the Baptist, verse 1 says, came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. There's that word again, preaching. By the way, preaching and proclaiming, very similar. We'll talk about that in a moment. Repent. This is what he was preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. When Isaiah said that verse, that verse that we just read, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and, leather belt, and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. This guy was living in the desert and he wore like camel's hair jacket and a belt and had honey and locust. John wore, uh, uh, excuse me, verse five, then, then Jerusalem and all of Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And I want you to pay particular attention to verse number five here. Then Jerusalem and all of Judea and all of the region there's a reason that Matthew writes it this way. He's trying to communicate to the, to the reader. He's trying to communicate to us that John the Baptist's impact, his influence was widespread. People were going out to see this man. This is like, you know, this, the, people have heard about this guy. He's strange, he's weird, he's odd, but something is different about him. And it probably was kind of like, you know, there was like a groundswell of, hey, 
you got to go out to the desert and visit this guy by the name of John. Hey, you got to go out and see this man named John. You got to go out. There's something going on with him. And so um, he is the one who baptizes so many people. And we see later in verse 13 of that same passage, verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized him. John would have prevented him saying, I, Jesus, need to be baptized by you. And you come to me. Even John the Baptist is going, Jesus, that's not my role. You should be baptizing me. We see his humility there. But Jesus answered him and said, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John the Baptist consented. And that's when he baptized Jesus. And that's how he got his name. Because he was the one that baptized so many. But he baptized Jesus. But I want you to look at Matthew chapter 3 verse 1. And we're going we're gonna to kind of land here today as we... As we begin to close a little bit this morning. Matthew 3, verse 1, says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. It says that he was the one that was going to proclaim that Jesus was coming. Those words are very similar. They're very close together. And the word that's used here for preaching is a word that in the original language is caruso. And the actual definition means to proclaim, to declare, or to announce, or to herald a message. We just sang the famous Christmas song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And usually when we think about the announcement of good news in the Christmas story, we think of the angels. And rightly so. They were a part of being the herald, being the ones who would announce that Jesus was coming. But God used John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, to do the same. He had no title. He had no specific role. He was not assigned to a specific duty. And I want you to hear this church, Hilton Head Island Community Church, if there's anything that you hear from this message today, I want you to hear this. The job of Caruso, of preaching. Everybody hates that word nowadays, don't they? In fact, when people ask me about my messages, I usually say I'm giving a talk or I'm giving a message because usually people cringe when you say that you preach. But the job of preaching, the job of proclaiming was given to someone who didn't have a title. And we often get this mixed up with the word that Paul gives us in Ephesians with someone who's given a specific role in the church. And so I know that when we talk about announcing the good news, that, that you all think that it might be restricted for a different role or, or a specific role. But announcing good news is not a restricted role for a particular person with a distinctive design and a sp specific spiritual gift. Church, I want you to hear that announcing the good news is an all-around assignment given to everyone, everyone, everyone who is a follower of Christ Jesus. Because I know in the church, because I, I used to sit there, I, I used to, to be in church and not be the pastor of a church. And I remember thinking when he was talking about sharing the good news of Jesus, I remember thinking, I literally remember this, so, so don't think I'm judging. I remember sitting there thinking, Man, that's your job. <laughs> that's not my job. But you see this 
this thing that John was doing is something that's not reserved for someone specific. Those things that are listed in Ephesians, the roles of being a prophet or a shepherd or being someone who's an evangelist or an administrator, those are roles within the context of a church. But proclaiming the message is something that is for all of us. We do it in a variety of ways. We do it by serving at a Thanksgiving dinner where we served 1,600 people this year. Isn't that incredible? At Hudson's. Serve people in our community, many of whom didn't know. We do it in ways like helping wrap presents for people who may not be able to do it or helping give ourselves away to our neighbors. And it doesn't matter who we are. We all have the job of proclaiming. We can do it by just sharing with someone how God has changed our life, how Jesus has had a huge impact and influence on us. And speaking of influence and impact, I want you to know today that not only John, was John's gift the announcement of the good news of Jesus, but John also sacrificed himself for Jesus. Do you realize that John the Baptist was, he was destined for greatness. He was destined for greatness. He had so much potential greatness. In fact, the angel Gabriel told his parents that he had potential greatness. Luke 1 11 through 17, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah, who was a priest, was troubled when he saw him. You would be too if you saw an angel. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. Verse 15 says it, for he will be, what's that next word? Great. He will be great for the Lord. And then he goes on to describe this vow that he's going to take. Must not drink wine or strong drink. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, so on and so forth. And I want you to hear that the angel Gabriel told his parents that he had potential greatness. John's parents knew that he had potential greatness. John's parents knew that he would do something great in God's kingdom. And they weren't like you and me, parents, who were like, my kid's going to be great, and we have no basis. An angel didn't come and visit us. <laughs> An angel came and visited Zechariah. The angel knew that he was going to be great as parents. John himself knew that he had potential greatness in John 3.30. He says, he must increase, but I must decrease. Talking about Jesus. People were flocking, as we already saw in Matthew 3, 5. They were flocking to see this man. And John the Baptist, John the Baptist sacrificed for Jesus. In John 1, 26 and 27, John answered them and he says, I baptize you with water. But, one stands, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. John 1.29, in what has been called the shortest sermon of all times, the next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John shifted the greatness from himself 
onto Jesus. He says, he must increase, but I must decrease. This one who is destined for greatness introduced Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He says he wasn't worthy compared to Jesus. He says that he needed to decrease so that Jesus could increase. He knew his role, his position, and his responsibility, and he knew what was required of him, and he gave up. He sacrificed willingly anything that would make him great. Potential influence, potential greatness, potential fame, potential prominence. I mean, this, could, this guy could have been an influencer, as they call them today. He could have been a huge influencer, and he gave it up. What can we learn from John the Baptist? What can we learn in 2019 from John the Baptist? I think it's two things. Number one, the greatest gift that we can give to those around us is the announcement of good news. It's the announcement of the good news of what God has done in you. I am so thankful when I was a child, that was before I was even born, that my mom and my grandmother prayed that God would change my heart. I didn't need to be changed. I wasn't even born yet. But they, were, they were laying the way. They were laying the groundwork for that. And I know that there's someone, and I had dozens of people from that point on in my life, from my birth on, that introduced me that announced to me that God had a plan. And maybe you are that for someone. Maybe you're the one that's going to announce the good news because of what God has done in you. The greatest gift that we can give to those around us is the announcement of good news. But the greatest gift that we can give to Jesus is giving up what would naturally make us great. That's the story of John the Baptist. He was destined for greatness. Yes, he was strange. Yes, he was weird. Yes, he looked like the homeless guy on 79th and Riverside that I saw every day for two years while we lived in New York and threw him a dollar or whatever change I had in my pocket. But you know, God used him to prepare the way for Jesus. He was the one who baptized him. He was the one who began the process of ushering in the Holy Spirit that came down on Jesus and prepared him for ministry. And Christ's follower, God can use you. God can use you. You may not take the vow of a Nazarite. In fact, as your friend, I'm asking you not to. <laughs> But you know what I think God has for all of us? You know what I think he has for Hilton Head Island Community Church is for us to take seriously with our friends and with our neighbors and with our, our partners, and I'll introduce you to someone after this next song, with, with uh, the people who are a part of this community that we take seriously the job that God has given to all of us to be the herald, to be the forerunner, to be the one that announces good news to find whatever it is in us that might make us great and willingly take it to the cross and give it to him. I say, I'm no longer going to use this thing that makes me great for me. But I want to use it for you, God. I want to give it to you. If you begin to ask him,
If you begin to, to sacrifice in that way, he will give you clarity. He will give you a vision. He will give you a picture of what he wants you to do with whatever that thing is that might make you great. He'll turn that gift into a gift that you say, to me, for me, to be a gift to others from you. And I think that's what God wants from us. Not just in Christmas, not just around this Christmas season, but all throughout our lives, all throughout the year. Would you pray with me this morning? God, there's so much interesting about this guy, John the Baptist. So much that defines him. The vow that he took, the ways that he lived. We didn't even talk about the way that he died. He sacrificed his lifestyle and he sacrificed his life for you. And in doing so, God, just like Ruth who came before him, many generations before him, just like Joseph of Nazareth, Jesus' earthly father, you used this odd, strange guy named John to prepare the way for the one who would change the world and that would save us from our sins. And God, I pray that you would allow that part of this narrative, this Christmas narrative, to awaken our soul, to help us realize that we have a responsibility as a son or daughter of you, the king, to be a part of announcing the message in our way, whatever that is. Help us to find ways to do that. Help us to discover what that means. But God, also, I pray that you would find, help us to find whatever thing that it is in us that would potentially make us great. God, I pray that we, your people, would be willing, like John the Baptist was, to give that up so that you could be made great. Maybe it's our voice. Maybe it's our career, career that we're currently in or one that's passed. Maybe it's the influence that we have in our schools, students or teachers. What is that thing that makes you great that he is calling you to use to make him great, to make him famous? Why not this Christmas season decide that you're gonna be used for a different purpose in a different way? And God has a different plan. God, I thank you for John the Baptist, but I thank you more for Jesus. I thank you for the life that we can all have if we give ourselves to him, if we admit that we're sinners and if we believe in you as our savior, God, you promise that we will have eternal life. And we thank you so much for that redemption that you've given us. Help us, God, to do the best that we can to make you famous in the world that we live. Thank you so much for saving us. In Jesus' name I pray and all God's people said, amen.